Hi, I'm Tim Flowers, Solly Moors Football Club, and you're listening to the National League Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full Time, and I'm really excited about this week because it was a fantastic day across all three divisions of the National League over the weekend. Joining me to look through the action is Rob Wall. Hello, Rob. Morning, Luke. On the road, as always, and joining me as well from somewhere within his house is Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Hello, Luke. Guys, National League yesterday, what a topsy-turvy day it was. Leighton Orient, Wrexham, both lost. Salford, they drew. Solihull Moors won and go joint top. What a day it was on Saturday. Just incredible, Luke. And every time you think you know which way things might be going, uh, the results turn around and shock you again. It's not the first time, is it, in recent weeks that kind of the whole, well, you know, two or three of the top sides have, have not got the results they needed. And we mentioned this briefly uh, last week or the week before, but while some of these other teams, Wrexham, Orient, Salford, have all had their sort of stutters, Solihull Moors just keep marching on. And, you know, the way it's been going the last few weeks, this, this almost had to happen, didn't it? Because they are the most consistent of those sides in terms of grinding out results. They're not always sticking a win on the board. Sometimes it's a draw, but uh, another three points yesterday against a maidenhead side desperate to get themselves away from trouble. And uh, Adi Yusuf didn't actually think that he was going to be such a prolific striker at this level. He's finally found his club and he's finally found some consistency. Chris, I think it was you who said the other week it's a two-horse race. Well, looking at the table, it's a five-horse race. There's four points separating first and fifth. Well, do you know what, Luke? I think I said it was a three-horse race. I think I was talking about uh, Leighton Orient, Salford and Wrexham at the time. And since then, Wrexham have lost four on the bounce. Uh, Leighton Orient have lost the last two. And so the only one of those uh, triumvirate who are doing okay are, are Salford City, really. And um, Solihull have hijacked the, the party that I thought was going to happen. And uh, and so have filed, although, uh, you know, picking up that win yesterday. So... Yeah, I think you would look at that. And then, are we going to reel Harrogate out as well? That's the question. I know they've uh, they've been on a bad run of form, but they picked up a win as well yesterday. A question I want to ask you guys is, we saw Macclesfield kind of upset the apple cart last year. Can Solihull win the league? It's a really good question, Luke. I mean, the answer to the question, can they? I mean, absolutely, they're joint top with, uh, you know, kind of whatever there is now, 17 games to go, uh, uh, 16, 17 games to go. So certainly they can. Um, they've they, they've actually uh, strengthened as well, haven't they? The last couple of months as well. Got the firepower. We know they've got the solidity. They've got the the, the game uh, pattern, if you like. That to be fair, perfectly honest, teams are playing them for the second time now, aren't they? And you kind of think you know what Solihull Moors are going to do when you set up against them, but that doesn't mean that it's. Uh, it's very easy to actually set up against or get a result. Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with that. And absolutely, they can do it. Macclesfield showed that last season. Solihull Moors are a smaller club than Macclesfield, but they're up there. And at this stage of the season, anyone can do it. The only thing you'd look at, and you look at and you think injuries, suspensions, things like that, will that come back to, to bite them? But remember, they've got the FA Cup money as well that they pulled in. And so they, they've probably got a little bit of resource there that they could use if, if needed. And, yeah, I, I've i got to say, I think they've got as much of a chance as anyone else. One point, just quickly to add to that, if you look at who they're up against, yeah, you'd probably say, yes, they can, but they probably won't. But then, actually, do you know what? You think about the levels of expectation at Salford, at Wrexham, and at Leighton Orient, and the pressure that those players are playing under week in, week out. Solihull Moors don't have that. They don't have that pressure. Spot on. I think that's a really good point to make, actually. Isn't it? They'll, they'll just take it as it comes. Anything to get in the playoffs will be an absolute bonus for Solihull. So they won't even be thinking about winning the league. They'll just see where it kind of this season takes them. And if they, if they get a pot at the end of it, good for them, I think, they'll, is what they'll be thinking. But who'd have thought that? I think uh, fan of the, our friend of the podcast, Sam Elliott, mentioned it yesterday in a tweet saying, when you look at where Solihull were last year, you would have been a brave man to predict him to be second or joint top of the league at this stage a year later, wouldn't you? Nobody saw it coming. Nobody saw it coming, Luke. Fair play to Tim Flowers. In terms of, so we'll have a look at the, the other results at the top. And so, as I say, Leighton Orient slipped up at Ebsley. Massive result for them. That just puts them within two points 
of the playoffs now. Goals there for King and Bush, uh, knocking Lake Norrin off the perch. And a, little, a slight little wobble now for Lake Norrin. As Chris said, they've lost the last two. Salford would have been expected to beat Gateshead at home, even though Gateshead are having a, a good season. But as we know, they've lost Steve Watson and they only drew. And then, as we said, Wrexham are on a horrendous run at the minute since beating Salford 5 on Boxing Day. Uh, they've not picked up a win. Yeah, it's crazy. Because th- th- there's a couple of kind of races that have tightened up, really, yesterday. Uh, one was obviously you say in the race for the title, you, you now have to acknowledge four or five teams with their chances. And, you know, we've talked a few times, could the likes of Ebbsfleet and Eastley on the fringe but a few points behind, could they close the gap? Well, you know, absolutely they can because both those sides got cracking wins yesterday. Eastley coming out, you know, by the odd goal in five against Sutton United was another standout result. And Ebbsfleet, well, what they've done really yesterday, they really backed up a good run of form since Gary Hill took charge and you can just he's quite a motivating manager isn't he um, I think we've probably all got to know a little bit or see Gary Hill in action over the years you can imagine him firing them up yesterday Leighton Orient coming into our yard top of the league fair play to Ebbsfleet and let's be honest I'm not be honest sorry but let's be accurate you know they have had huge off the pitch you know restructuring uh, challenges throughout the course of this season the fact that they are in with the shout of making the playoffs at this stage is uh, to their great credit. Yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned them, Rob, because uh, they're top of every single form guide you look at at the minute. To bounce back from disappointment against Chesterfield as well, where they were 3 0 up and uh, ended up drawing 3 0. And I was interested, really, Gary Hill was really praising Nathan Ashmore for coming back as well after a bit of a kerfuffle at the end of the game uh, against Chesterfield as well and, and keeping a clean sheet. He was, he was really singing his praises. And one thing that I was going to mention about that is that it's great to have clubs like Leighton Orient in the league, isn't it? Ebbsfleet yesterday had their biggest gate since 2002 as well, and they really did put on a show. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think you can um, rule them out of certainly playoff contention the way they're going. In terms of Ebbsfleet, it seems like you're saying, Rob, Ebbsfleet seems to have settled down a little bit, don't they now? Yeah, 100%. They've really settled into it. They've got the quality. I mean, Gary Hill, when I spoke to him a few weeks ago, you could know, imagine a manager coming in like that saying about world of financial constraints and this and that. None of it. He said, oh, I'm really honoured to come in and manage such a good bunch of players. They've got a great squad here, you know. Um, and that's the level of positivity that he brought with it and has, has filtered through to the team now. So just looking at Wrexham in fifth place, as I say, they've, they've not really won since Boxing Day against Salford City. And I know a couple of Wrexham fans, and they were questioning the permanent appointment of Graham Barrow and bringing Mike Newell in as assistant manager. He'd not been around football for a while in terms of coaching and management. And... We had a similar situation with Wrexham last year where Dean Keats went to Walsall. They didn't really replace him adequately, really. They slipped out of the playoffs. And can you see something happening similar to Wrexham again this year? Or do you think Graham Barrow's got the experience to, to steady the ship and, and keep him in the playoffs and, and get them challenging again? Well, Luke, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the first match he had, he, he won 2 0 against Eastleigh. And then they won three out of the next four. I think there was a draw against. Uh, Aldershot thrown into the middle of that so he did start like a house on fire so the early signs were really promising and when I look at that you look at the the, the, the battered Salford they beat Salford 5-1 that was a turn up for the Bucks I can remember we spoke a lot about that on the podcast and then they got beat a couple of games later by Salford 2-0 and that seems to have really dented the confidence because they've gone on a, a losing streak after that so he started well and now it just seems to tail that tail off. Um, Graham Barrow, you know, he's a guy with he's a guy with massive experience. He's been there and done that. He's done it in the league. Probably, arguably, his most successful period would be um, maybe he had a year at Chester City where he, where he won a lot of matches. He's probably most well known for his first spell at Chester City, and he's been there. He's got that experience. Um, he hasn't managed properly since what 2005 now really he's been uh, done um, a few caretaker roles at Wigan so maybe we'll see I think uh, the jury's out isn't it yeah it's the, it's the away form Rob that's killing Wrexham at the minute you look at the home form they've only lost two games at home all season and drawn, they've won 10 drawn 3 lost 2 only conceded 8 goals so it's, it's not really the home form it's, it's away from home which is patchy they've, they've won 5 drawn 5 and lost 5 again not conceding loads but it's just those narrow defeats away from home which is costing them at the minute yeah I mean if you think they've had the various different managers over the last couple of seasons but one thing that hasn't really left them is that they are 
one of the best, if not the best, defensively. They've had little periods where they score a few more goals, but it seems to, you know, other than those results like the one against Salford, which really stands out, they're not necessarily going to be one of the highest scoring teams that are going to shoot their way to the title or the playoffs. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to go on what I saw, and they couldn't score against Aldershot. You know, I came away from that thinking, well, yeah, they'll be there or thereabouts, but I don't know if I feel that they'll go on to win the league. And I've only met Graham Barrow the one time. I, I, I spoke to him for the podcast on that day. And he's got so many qualities and great experience. Chris might have highlighted something there. You know, how much management experience has he got at this level? How recent is it? Um, he's going to be learning. Uh, and that's the, that's the trick for managers, isn't it? You've got to try and get results and points on the board while you're learning. It is a good point. I mean, you look at Graham Alexander and, and John Sheridan, who we'll come on to in a minute. They've both been managing the league as recently as, as last year, and they've come into the National League, and the questions probably are, do they know enough about the league? And at the minute, it's proving that they, they're willing to learn, they're willing to adapt and, and get new methods in. Uh, just before we look at the bottom of the table, I just wanted to mention about Harrogate. Can can they gate crash the title party? Do you think it's just playoffs for them? They got a really good win over Hartlepool, beaten convincingly, uh, thanks to in part as well to Screamer from Jack Muldoon and one of the most underrated players in the National League for me, Josh Falkingham. He, he's a captain now. He just quietly goes about his business. And do you think maybe that kind of experience, the togetherness, they've got a really settled side, can help them gate crash? Do you think they're over a the little wobble now, or do you think it is just playoffs for them? Yeah, well, look, Luke, I, I, I don't think that you can say a 3 1 home win at Hartlepool United means that they're, they're back on track, but it's a start, isn't it? And they've certainly put themselves in a, in a striking position if you like to to get up into those uh, into those playoffs position and who knows you know a run and they they could be targeting that top spot I agree with what you were saying about the, the players that you mentioned they've got Muldoon who scored there they've also got Mark Beck who got the third goal and he's a bad guy who's been around he's a solid striker he does a job at non-league level so they've got a lot of those type of guys Look, I think they can. They showed that earlier on in the season that they can go on a run in, in this division. I think they can probably get back up there. But um, I think we need to see more than just the, just the home win against Hartlepool United before we can say that for definite. Yeah, Hartlepool trying to strengthen this week. They brought in Michael Raines, who signed along from crew, and he looked, he looked quite frustrated. And the season's just fizzling out, Rob, for Hartlepool a bit, isn't it? Well, it is, yeah. The other guy that they brought in was um, Nicky Cavamba um, from Haven, and uh, he did score. Uh, on his debut so uh, some, some, some promise there I'm not sure where they feel their own ambitions are for Richard Money uh, he didn't last very long in his previous role at this level did he at Solihull Moor and, and that decision probably hasn't gone on to look much better in his favour since has it the fact that somebody was able to come in get a hold of that club you know obviously Yates and Flowers initially and now Dollyhole so um, yeah I, d I don't know I guess the jury's out a little bit for Hartlepool and what their intentions and expectations are for the rest of the season and for Richard Money too yeah it did seem a strange appointment at the time when uh, he was appointed because of all the options out there so you don't kind of know what the financial situation at Hartlepool is still and, and, and whether it's kind of they just wanted a steady a person to just steady the ship if you like and, and, and try and go for it again next year but I think as it was mentioned a couple of weeks ago with the signings they've made Lee Noble and, and, and players like that that they, they, they were planning on going for it and it's just it's again a bit of an underwhelming season from, from Hartlepool's point of view Yeah, just one final caveat on that one Luke let's, let, let, let's show the, the, the respect due to Richard Money he has obviously got Cambridge up and out of this league so uh, he has got form, he has got pedigree and uh, much like players, you know, managers can go through little little blips and little spells. If he's up for it and they're the right club for him and he's there long enough, he'll get it right. Richard Money will get it right, but uh, it just really is, you know, is it, is it too late really for this season? Uh, or, or realistically, can they still uh, climb up and grab onto the shirt tails of those looking to get in the playoffs? The bottom of the table, I think the standout result there, Rob, is, is Braintree for Barnet nil and a hatchet for Callum Martin. I won't say what <laughs> I won't say what Darren Curry said about his team, but it's fair to say <laughs> he wasn't happy. Um, but what a massive result that is for Braintree! Yeah, it's huge. I mean, first and foremost, it's three points for them and. They've picked up enough points recently, you know, that they're, they're not a million miles away now. They're closing the gap to safety quite nicely. Um, they did get some 
about fortune yesterday, obviously. Mark Cousins, the Barnet goalkeeper, was sent off in the first 10 minutes and Barnet never really recovered from that. But uh, fantastic result. Helps their goal difference. Three massive points on the board. And uh, we're at that stage in the season now, boys, aren't we? Where teams that are in and around the bottom four or the bottom six that you think, well, they're not very good. They are now sleeves rolled up fighting for everything and underestimate them at your peril yeah Luke I'll say what he said he said they were crap <laughs> yesterday I saw the same interview and he also said that he was uh, he was quite embarrassed and uh, on that interview he just looks absolutely crestfallen doesn't he Darren uh, Darren Curry after that performance and in, and in fairness he did say look the boys have been absolutely excellent but today just uh, well it wasn't really good enough for them yesterday but I think you've got, I think we've got to say I'm not, not sure we've done this for a while that that could be result of the day oh absolutely yeah by him you wouldn't have predicted that you maybe predicted Braintree to nick it but not to win by four clear goals and they're halfway up the, the form table now as well and Hakan Heretan said it. the most important thing was a clean sheet as well and they've just got to keep winning games and picking up points and see where it takes them and put pressures on the team above them like Rob Aldershot boom there you go that's it set me up team me up for another one <laughs> honestly where to start boys first and foremost huge credit to Chesterfield one win in 24 and for, and they did not look like it um, what an impact John Sheridan has made in just a, a couple of weeks really they look solid at the back hard to break down got plenty of bodies forward uh, they attacked very often with four players yesterday and it particularly so in the second half where they led 1-0 not a single question of them sitting on that and getting the men you know getting the bus parked they took it to Aldershot in the second half but well, they probably just shaded both halves Aldershot had a decent start but didn't take the two or three chances that came along their way you know would you believe it you had an ex-Aldershot town player back in town yesterday in Will Evans and uh, I thought well Let's get this one out of the way before the game. It could be a tricky afternoon for him. So prior to the game, I caught up with Chesterfield centre-back, the former Aldershot town player, Will Evans. I'm joined prior to the Aldershot and Chesterfield match by a very familiar face here at the Ebb Stadium, uh, Will Evans. Will, welcome back to the Ebb Stadium. Uh, business to attend to. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, we're both in a situation where we both need the three points. So and obviously, it's not a nice feeling for me because... Obviously, I don't want to see either club being in the relegation zone. So, um, yes, yeah, not a nice feeling, but it's, one, it's a job at the end of the day, isn't it? Absolutely. And just before uh, Scott Rendell disturbs proceedings here, as I know he's prone to do, um, what I really want to let's let, let that's potentially an awkward subject to discuss on we pre-game. Let's just go to something more enjoyable. There was a particular moment when you were here at Aldershot Town that kind of wrote you down in folklore, and it was that screaming volley against Tranmere. <laughs> You've kind of had that moment doubled haven't you a couple of weeks ago we talked about it a lot on the podcast just just talk us through that crazy last uh, uh, six or seven minutes of added time where you uh, had quite a bit of a part to play in that <laughs> yeah it was very madness to be honest with you it's it was one of them things that i don't think you'll ever see again in football really um three nil down at half time come back to three one 95th minute and next minute well literally 30 seconds later I'm having to stand in front of a penalty trying to save this <laughs> so trying to save the point that we just got and back daft question you've probably been asked <clears> in by <throat> others I don't know which gave you the greater pleasure saving the penalty yeah yeah, yeah. it would have been perfect if it was against Scott but that, that would have been perfect <laughs> but, um, but no. Rendell, come in come in come into the proceedings let's talk about Mr Rendell's goal scoring record for penalties it's, it's pretty decent isn't it you'd have beaten Evans no trouble wouldn't you I've beaten far better players than him in goal they'll <laughs> <laughs> have no bother putting one past him <laughs> Oh, nice to see both of you guys today. I hope it's a really good game. Unfortunately, we can't possibly get the right result for both teams, no. but may the best team uh, win. And uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for that. That was Will Evans, and it was a, it was a, a nasty case of the return of the X, wasn't it, Rob, in the end? Oh, my goodness, yeah. I mean, to be fair, as gutting as it was, as crucial a, an opportunity missed, really, for all the shot. Um, um, yeah, I, I had to go back and speak to Will again afterwards because Will Evans believe it or not 
came back and scored both goals against his former club. And here's a little chat we had afterwards. When I joined Will for a quick chat before the game today, I didn't know that he was going to go on to be the two-goal goal-scoring hero for Chesterfield, but he did, and he's very kindly joined me again. Will, personally, and for your team, a very, very good afternoon's work, but some bittersweet feelings too uh, amongst that, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. It's um, Obviously, we spoke before the game. It was a tough game for me, obviously. Both teams, for me, obviously, I don't want them to be in the bottom bottom half or yeah, even the bottom half of the table. Mm. It's not nice to see, obviously, with Gary here. Top bloke, can't speak hardly enough of him. So it's a shame, really, the situation that we're both in. Yeah, and like you said, it's, it was a bit of sweet, really. I have to say, Will, full credit to John Sheridan for how quickly he's, uh, whatever he's done, reboosted you guys, reorganised you. You didn't look like a side that's struggling in the bottom four at all today. I think you probably shaded both halves. You kept a clean sheet. You didn't look like conceding. You even managed to push on sort of four players up front at times in the second half, making sure that you were asking questions of all the shot at the right end. Mm. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He has brought a bit of confidence back. I think we lost. And yeah, like he he likes to keep clean sheets. That's his first and foremost uh, clean sheets. And you can build from that, can't you? So Mm. um, if you're keeping clean sheets, then the way we play, we're going to score goals. Um, If it is from a defender or strikers. You scored a few goals at all the shot, but I don't think you were quite this prolific. What's that? Is that about six for the season now? Something like that, is it? Yeah, I think it's six now. But um, but no, yeah, obviously had a had a few. I think five in my first season, and mm. I think three the second season. So yeah, not as mm. not as many, but um, mm. no, yeah, I think two or two in one game it makes makes a difference. And uh, you scored, as we talked about in our earlier chat, a memorable goal at the East Bank. And this one, I guess, would be memorable for different reasons. To your full credit, uh, I have to tell the podcast listeners that, uh, Will, you didn't celebrate either of the goals, although you did get kind of mobbed <laughs> by your teammates. So it's a bit of a mixed feeling. Yeah, yeah, let them do the celebrating. Like I said, it was um, a mixed feeling for me, obviously. I don't want to see this club where it is. I don't want to see the people here um, suffering uh, with anything, to be honest with you. They're all uh, very nice people on and off the pitch um, and like I said I can't speak high enough of the club. Oh, thanks for joining us and great to see you again and uh, uh, look after yourself. Cheers, Cheers Will. Thank All you. the best. Thank you. It was a good chat as well that Robbie. you can tell he's, in, he, he's, he's a professional, I mean he seemed really really upset in a way didn't he but he was just doing his job at the end of the day yeah I mean he's a bit of a gentle giant it's Will Evans he's a smashing bloke he didn't fall out with anybody at the club or Gary Waddock they got a lot of respect for each other but unfortunately you know Will Evans was a very well established centre back at this level that gives you a bit going forward as well not just with his long diagonal accurate passing but getting up there you know in and around set pieces and weighing in with four, five, six goals a season as well uh, and Aldershot couldn't afford to keep him against a club like Chesterfield coming in two-year contract um, you know and he's had an incredible few weeks hasn't he after getting the late-headed equaliser and the uh, penalty save when he went in goal I mean honestly what a few weeks for Will Evans and uh, Chesterfield they'll have renewed hope and belief for Aldershot it just gets worse and worse probably the only bright spot for them is the signing this week of John Goddard who for me was the most impressive he will score and make goals at this level. But they not only find themselves over the last week dropping into the relegation positions, but now five points adrift as well. And facing another blank Sunday in a couple of weeks, Saturday in a couple of weeks' time, because uh, they're due to play Solihull, who are progressing in the cup. I know you've been worried about all the shot for a while, and I've kind of said, look, you'll be fine, but are you actually really worried now about all the shot that they, they won't stay up? Yeah, I've been really worried, I would say. I'd put the really word in for the last couple of weeks. I think there was a strong feeling around the club yesterday, look, you know, we've regenerated, refreshed, revitalised, brought in a couple of players, signed Jerry McDonough. They had two behind closed doors games in which we don't really talk about the results, but it's relevant because 14 games now without a win in all competitions. The two behind the closed doors games, they they played young QPR and Barnett sides, but they've won them both, scoring goals 4-3 and 2-1, and they come back to league action. And yesterday, boys, completed another unwanted club record. Five consecutive home games at the Ebb Stadium without even scoring a goal. It's wretched. I can't think back to any occasion, even under the previous two managers, where things felt uh, as desperate. Certainly results, right? Um, The team are still playing for Gary Waddock. They're still giving everything. Yesterday was probably a day they'll say, well nothing really went their way they do need the, probably a little bit of luck just to get them that next goal and get them 
that next point or three. Rare double uh, for Chesterfield this season as well, Chris, and we know about John Sheridan's pedigree at Oldham. He loves to play good football, and this is a manager who's got a team to the playoffs in League One. So, as I say, if you can adapt to the National League, there'll be a there'll be a force for the rest of the season, and then next season. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and Rob actually answered all the questions that I was going to ask him because I was interested in uh, in Chesterfield, and obviously Rob said that they looked like a good unit yesterday, and you would expect them to to pull out of that because I mean a club like Chesterfield it can't can they drop down again they can't really drop down to that National League North because that's a really really difficult place to be one point I was going to make and uh, I don't know Rob White want to close his ears on this one but just one to ponder as we go along in the podcast and one for our listeners to ponder six out of those bottom seven clubs are clubs that would naturally fall into the National League South at the end of the season so if you assume that Chesterfield pull out of that, that could mean that four clubs go down into the National League South, which could mean a bit of a headache for the uh, for the organisers at the end of the season as to allocations as to who goes where. So you might see clubs moving from um, division from north to south, possibly, or from south to north, which is what what would possibly be the case. But once a ponder as we go along. Do you fancy National League North, Rob, next year? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, now I mean, all joking apart, it's a brilliant point, Chris. And uh, you know, I guess it's the kind of thing that 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 that, uh, that we'll end up looking at a lot more closely as those final weeks come by. I mean, it's certainly going to be you know a higher proportion of clubs going down from the south than the north. And it's not just those clubs themselves, of course, that will be worried, but the ones who are currently in the south who. Uh, you know, are probably the more northern in the south, if you like, you know, because I don't really know how it works, what the rules are. I presume, you know, if you are one of the more, you know, Midlands-based or towards the Midlands-based clubs in the south, and the league tell you you've got to go in the north, do you have any say in it? I really don't know. I guess Probably not. I guess they'll appeal it, but Chris, we, we know Gloucester are kind of playing at Evesham at the minute, so they're the most furthest north. And they were shunted from north to south a couple of seasons ago, and it looks like they'd be, if they do stay up, they're in the relegation zone at the minute in the National League South, but if they do stay up, that they'd be the ones pushed across to the north, I suppose, and in, in, in sacrificed. Yeah, it'd be really interesting, and if anyone, any of our listeners does know the answer to that question, it would be uh, really interesting to find out, I guess. They might ask some of those clubs on the borderline who may express an interest to to go either way, although I'm not sure they would, and uh, and judge it from there. And if no one says, they'd probably just put a pin on the map and see who's playing the uh, the furthest north, I guess. Yeah, I mean we had a, we had a, Oxford City in the north uh, for one season, a, a few seasons back, and we also had the Barmy one where Bishop Startford were a National League North team for a, a year, which is bizarre <laughs> you wouldn't really class it as north would you it's not even north of Watford I don't think so uh, <laughs> it would be interesting to see but just looking at other results yesterday Maidstone they, they lost again heavily at home and they're really struggling Dover you feel could uh, pick up the pace really good win for having it as well at Boreham Wood and um, you feel out of those teams down there that there's only real, really Chesterfield who'll probably make any progress and possibly Dover. Yeah, let's mention Dover as well, uh, Luke, because credit to them. It was a one-all draw at home to Bromley yesterday, but upon closer inspection, you'll see that um, they had two players sent off Dover. Loco uh, was one, the other one whose name escapes me at the moment, but... Um, you know, they played 35, 40 minutes, I think, with 10 and 9 men yesterday and uh, against the fee-informed Romney side. So probably a good point at the end of the day for Dover. And uh, they've collected a few in recent weeks. Listen, you, you build strong cases for a lot of those clubs to get out of trouble. And if you look at the sides that are really, really desperately struggling and informed with no real, you know, you probably would be picking out Braintree, obviously good result yesterday, but Braintree, Maidstone and Aldershot is probably the three favourites right now uh, to go down out of the fourth. What we'll do now is we'll look at the National League North. Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier and this is the NL Full-Time Podcast. And in the National League North, it was another significant day, wasn't it, Chris? Charlie, uh, they just keep on going like a juggernaut at the minute with a 3-0 win over Geisley. The relentless, Luke, and, the, and that, sort of, uh, that sort of form really, really sort of depresses all the other clubs who are really trying to challenge for their their top spot because they're just not dropping any points are they and they, they are looking relentless they had that dip 
um, sort of uh, in the middle of their uh, 26 games, but now they're they're just winning all the time and they're doing it in style. I mean, they did beat a Geisley team that we've been scratching our heads about this season, who yet again lost. Um, but Chorley, they were just, I've seen the goals from Chorley, they were just strikers' goal, there was a good third goal in there but uh, by Alex Newby, but they're just churning them out, aren't they? And the seven points clear now, uh, well, they have been seven points clear for the last few weeks, seven points clear at the top of the league, and uh, Jamie Vermiglio certainly picked up where Mike Janssen left off last season. You saw Stockport County are also relentless at this minute, but it must be demoralising for them to, like, I think, is it the seventh win on the spin now, and they get in the dressing room and go, Oh God, Charlie won again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Seventh win on the on the spin for for County, and in fact, that's something that Jim Gannon does mention in his uh, well mentioned in his uh, interview at the end of the the match yesterday. That County have got a game against Leamington away on Tuesday night, and he wants to use that game to put pressure on on Charlie. And so the gap goes down to to four games. Obviously, County will have played an extra game from them. Uh, at that point as well but uh, just wants to try and put maybe a little bit of artificial pressure on Chorley because at the minute they're, they're not slipping up Yeah and Le- Leamington although the 14th that would be a really tough place to go on Tuesday night we know they, they dig in Leamington and they'll, they'll make it really difficult won't they? Yeah they will uh, no one wants to go to, to Leamington on, on Tuesday night at all no and uh, and they will make it really difficult despite the fact that County on such a good run of form and just just while we're on uh, while we are talking about Stockport County yesterday they played York City of course yesterday uh, they won 3-1 they got one they were all goal up after four minutes and uh, they were exceptional in the first 25 minutes of that game however the middle period of that game they just sort of relaxed a little bit and backed off and it, I think it's fair to say it was fairly even for maybe 40 or 50 minutes of the game yesterday uh, York City passing the ball around nicely but the one thing that they didn't do really York City was create many golden chances if you like and, and that's what let them down and um, and they got a goal back it looked like it was going to be a grandstand finish um, John Parkin came on and helped set a goal up but um, Matty Warburton went and got his hat-trick 30 seconds later and then that was that was game over Rob you were waxing lyrical about Matty Warburton you, you went on last week you thought your phone had broken well I'm guessing your phone must have exploded again yesterday with his, his goal alerts coming through I did have a look quickly after the games yesterday and uh, I wondered if I'd looked at the wrong week when I saw his name down for all those <laughs> goals again I thought oh am I, am I looking at last week's but no He's done it again, and I'm trying to think of a toast pun, you know, a bread pun, but I'll have to leave that to you, um, uh, Luke, but uh, maybe maybe you can uh, you can slip something in there. Well, the Stockport County Twitter did say he's the best thing since sliced bread, so... Yeah, <laughs> and the, the, the front of the programme actually had a pun on the uh, Warburton's bread as well yesterday. Um, but one thing to say about Matty Warburton, I was chatting to one of the, the York um, press guys at the end of the game, and he said, he is absolutely brilliant. Why, you know, how is he playing at at this level and I think I haven't spoken to him about this but I think he's got a really good he's, he's a teacher as well and I think he you know he enjoys his job and he's, he's happy being that uh, sort of part time player I was going to say Chris is there a worry that Stockport County may may lose him I mean does he want to go to a league cup because he's on to 25 goals now for the season isn't he and um, there will be clubs sniffing around him in this January transfer window Absolutely, but you know, Luke, I, th- I think he's happy. He's playing in front of four thousand people. He's happy within the team. You know, they're close knit, but the close knit squad. I just think he's happy doing what he's doing, and it doesn't get mentioned very often, to be honest. That was the first time I'd uh, I'd uh, sort of spoken to someone about that. But um, the more he ends up on the front of the non-league paper, as he is again this week, the more talk there will be uh, along that. But certainly, Stockport County fans don't want to see him going anywhere because he is a man on fire. He's also a man who is always seven out of ten, even when he doesn't score. He's seven out of ten. He's excellent. And by the way. This sounds like the Matty Warburton show, but this is a guy that plays at a number 10 as well. So he's not the out-and-out striker in the team. In terms of York, Chris, I mean, Steve Watson, he's, he's taken on the challenge, and I think after yesterday, he, he'll have um, he'll probably found a lot more answers, really. He'll, he'll know what needs to be done now. Yeah, no, absolutely. He was uh, he, he did talk about that. And um, actually, I, I did have a chat with him after the, the game, and here it is. I'm joined by Steve Watson on the NL Full-Time Podcast. Steve... Was this a difficult place to come in your first game? Would you have liked a difficult test like this so you can see, see learn more about your squad, or would you have liked a, a home match against a, a sort of a, a lower side? 
Well, it doesn't really matter what I like. That's what I've been given. So, um, you know, it's it was always going to be tough. I watched them last week. They were they were rampant. They won, you know, they won five nil. Um, they're on. They're arguably the form team in the league at the minute. So it was always going to be a big test. But I was always going to be able to learn a lot about today's game as well. I mean, a lot of people we do a, a podcast for the national leagues, and a lot of people were saying you left Gateshead to come down to to, to York. Can you explain why you did that? Um, I've explained it enough times. I think it's 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 purely because um, I see a I see a club that um, that there's massive potential in. There's a club that you can uh, you can see a future with it. You can see a, a route into hopefully league football somewhere along the line. No disrespect to Gateshead, everybody knows I love my time there, but at present time you can't really see that. So I made a decision for um, a long term a long term plan and a, a chairman who's got the same you know goals as I have so it was uh, that, that's the reason you know it's it's the, the the fact that it's a league down really was immaterial to me I was looking at the bigger picture I was looking at the club as a you know the size of the club and I was looking yeah. at the potential of the club yeah. uh, and that's you know that everybody understands that yeah and for the rest of the season is the aim to obviously move up into sort of mid-table and then build for next season well, I think obviously the, the 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 goal is to go on a on a really really good run and see how far it takes us. And if it's you know while well, it's mathematically possible to try and get up and around them places, you have to think that way. I mean, as I say, everybody will say, "Well, uh, he's talking rubbish." But why? You know, I don't understand when managers don't just tell the truth and say, "Of course, we want to try and get in around the playoffs." That's 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 the goal. Otherwise, I wouldn't be in football. I wouldn't be trying to. You've got while you while you can still do it. That has to be your goal. But you're right. You know, if if, if that's if that's too far. To reach, I'll learn as much as I can about the players between now and then. I'll, I'll see who I think can can take the next step forward with me regarding next season and, and recruiting the summer, and then you know go again next year with uh, with, with with a team that's, that's mine. Cheers, Steve. Appreciate you talking to me. It's quite philosophical, and I know we spoke in his pre his pre-match press conference saying that they're trying to get they'll get a formation set up with the players that they've got to try and and get a result. Obviously, that went out the window after four minutes and. Like you say, it sounded as though he changed it in the second half and he improved a lot more. And I think he'll know which players he'll need to bring in and players will know he'll need to get rid of at the end of the yeah. season as well. Yeah, I think so. And obviously I listened to the interviews that he did with, with other people as well and certainly he um, he wasn't happy with the way that quite a few of his players performed and I think he will be making changes to that and certainly some of the the attitudes um, possibly of some of the players as well. And... Um, yeah, I think he's come down and he, he realises he's got a big job to do. But as you heard, it's a job he sees a lot of potential in York City. And the question asked, obviously, about Gateshead and going to York City from there, he, he really does see a lot of potential in the club and, um, and and thinks they can go places. But he has got a lot of work to do in, in the short term, I think. They show glimpses that they can um, sort of stay clear of safety and, and march up the league, though. I will say that it wasn't. This wasn't a Stockport County performance like the Bradford Park Avenue one. It was a, it was a Stockport County performance where they played well for the first half hour and the last ten minutes. And York City were okay without really creating anything apart from that. But we did speak at the time when he was appointed, Chris, and we, we did say it is York City needed to get it right. And I think they, they have got it right this time with this appointment. It just needs time, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And you'll see you'll see the team change. You'll see the way they, they play change. It was interesting yesterday that they went with a, a diamond formation in midfield. And I, I'm not sure whether that's something they played with previously or whether that's a Steve Watson thing, but it didn't really seem to work yesterday. They did keep going. They, they weren't good defensively, I've got to say. And I think possibly... That's where they've got to look at it. Um, the centre halves were quite good. Bomb, uh, sorry, the uh, wing backs were quite good bombing on. But I think they've probably got to look at the defence because that's a really leaky defence they've got at the moment. And what are the results caught your eye, Chris? There was quite a few yesterday. I, I, in particular, I think Kurz and Ashton was the one. They went to Chester yesterday and and won one nil. Now that's four wins in a row for for Kurz and Ashton. So some things are going quite okay for, for Mark Bradshaw and he was talking about how they've been sticking together and they started to look like a, th- a threat on the counter attack yesterday interestingly it was Wigan athletic bound Ollie Crankshaw who, who got the winner there yesterday and they're steering themselves into mid table so after everything we spoke about uh, about John Flanagan and I still stand by I think it was a, a strange decision in hindsight and in retrospect you have to say 
well they're doing okay now well done to him you know it's, it wasn't his fault about the, the John Flanagan thing and he's he's beginning to uh, see them march up the table yeah it's moving yeah. 10 points clear now of FC United who occupy that last place and FC got a great result at Bradford last week and he thought this could really push him on he went into the 6 point with Ashton United and lost it in the end and it keeps him in the relegation zone two points behind Hereford who could only draw with Nuneaton yeah, Luke, we talk about six pointers. That was a massive game yesterday. If FC United had, had gone to uh, Ashton United yesterday and won, you know, that would have changed things dramatically. They would have been um, seven points clear of Ashton United, and you'd be looking at that thinking, you know, Ashton have got real problems. Ashton hadn't won for three games previously. And so that is an absolutely massive win there for Ashton United. FC United. Yeah, the, the the problem for the FC United have also got is they've played two games more than Hereford, they've played two games more than Geisley and a game more than York City, who are the three clubs uh, directly above them. So, um, yeah, things aren't, aren't looking great there for FC. The North East Derby between Darlington and Spennymoor finished two goals to one to Spennymoor. He came from behind. Jason Ainsley said it was two goals fitting of winning uh, any game at this level. And uh, also, Chris, a good win for Kidderminster at Telford. Yeah, really good win. You know, they've, they've changed a lot of things there recently. They scored very, very early in that game. And then they held on because Telford are another team who are in absolutely flying form at the moment. And uh, you would have looked at that game and you looked at the form guide and you would think that would be three points to Telford. So that was a real turn-up for, for the Bucks there. And, you know, Kidderminster are a big club to be in the National League North. And Kidderminster have always been a passing team. It hasn't really worked for them. Um, they've always been strong on the break as well. It hasn't really worked for them. So I'm interested to see whether they're going to be sort of changing their style of play. It was a great start yesterday to, to go to Telford and win. Like I say, a bit of a turn up for the Bucks, a bit of a blow for Telford, who are also chasing Chorley at the top of that league. Yeah, fair play to Kidderminster. So we're going to look at the National League South now. And joining us on the line this week is Concord Rangers goalkeeper Sam Besant. Hello, Sam. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, really good, thank you. You had an eventful game yesterday, didn't you? It was fifth against sixth in the playoff race in the National League South. You entertained Bill Ricky and it finished in a 2-2 draw. It needed a last-minute goal, though, from one of your joint managers, I think he is. Is it Jack Midson? He pops up with the equaliser in the last minute. Yeah, he did, he did, to be fair. Um, yeah, it was a, a final game, to be honest. A couple of red cards, a couple, couple of crazy goals, and a last minute penalty. What did you make of the game as a whole? I mean, was it end to end, or was it in terms of were you impressed by Billy Ricky despite what's gone on off the pitch with them? Um, not massively. I'd, I'd say it's probably one of their weaker teams that we face this year. We've played them twice already, um, once in the cup and then once they opened in the league. And yeah, I'd probably say it was, wasn't the best team that we faced. Alan Julian, their goalkeeper, made a lot of very good saves. Um, I think he's man the match. And in terms of, of yourselves, you're having a fantastic season. The club just stayed up, I think, in the last week of the season, uh, last season. So, in terms of, of, of how you've progressed this year, you must be, they must be delighted as a club. As I say, you're in sixth position at the minute and in the playoff. Yeah, um, I think they brought Sammy Moore in with Jack Nixon. Um, and they brought in a good, a good bunch of uh, staff and, and players. So, we've done really well. We've gelled together really well. The team spirit. Given us, it's all there, and obviously we're doing quite well on the pitch. Honestly, I mean, Sam, who'd be a goalkeeper? I just, I've always, I was a centre forward in my time, and you can get away with countless misses, but and then you can still score the goal and be the hero, and it's pretty much the reverse of that as a goalkeeper, isn't it? And uh, ultimately, long term, you uh, you tend to get judged on, on 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 mistakes rather than saves that you're half expected to make. I. I mean, you, you, you come from good a good stock, don't you, as well? Obviously, your father, Dave, is a, an FA Cup winner in his time. How much over the years has Dad kind of assisted and how, how 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 much has it been difficult because he's your dad? <laughs> yeah, we haven't been pressing Dad and doing this, do that, but when, when I've needed advice and help, he's been there to, uh, to help me. When I went to Glen Hoodle Cadillac, he was a golf coach there. There was times where I'd make one error, the other goal would make the same error, but it'd be harder on me, <laughs> give me a bit more stick than the other keeper. As we said there, Sam um, Woking, currently in second, one of your old clubs, they had a bit of a bad season uh, last season, didn't they? Got relegated, not what they wanted really, but they've got themselves sorted this year, brought in Alan Dowson and they've really sorted themselves out now and the, and the hunting Torquay down. We played uh, early on the season, top game, but we nicked the draw. 
Yeah, I think, I think them and Turkey are the, are the main two that are going to be pushing to go up. I mean, they've got they've got two games in hand, haven't they, Tar uh, Woking on Turkey? Uh, so do you think they're in the box seat now, Woking, because they're only a point behind with those two games in hand? Yeah, the two games in hand. It's always nice to have that, but I think if you don't capitalise on a game in hand, you start panicking and think, oh, we have to win our next game now. We have to win the next game in hand to, uh, to, to take the advantage, but... Yeah, it's, it's, it's always nice to get in hand, but it's, it's good luck to Bath City yesterday, we had, we had Gary Johnson on early in the season and he, he kept asking about Bath City and they were out of the playoffs at the time and he was really worried about them. But I think this weekend showed why he was maybe worried because Bath went and turned over Torquay in front of over 3,000 people at Twerton Park. And are Bath a real threat, do you think, Sam? They gave us a bit of battle. Yeah, it was a tough game. It's, um, we, we ended up trying one the conditions were horrible. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I think they, I think they can be a threat. I think it's a tough league this year. Too well in up there. Woking, Chelmsford, Bath, us. It's, it's very tight. It's very tight. Um, do, do, do you think you can you can get up this year as a team at Concord, you know, in, in, in the playoffs? Uh, or do you think it's maybe you'd be happy with playoffs and go again next season? Or is the aim to get promoted? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to get promoted. Maybe we're unbeaten and seven but... We kind of dropped a few points, um, which we're a bit disappointed about. Um, yesterday being another one of them. We'll, we'll, we'll keep pushing, we'll keep fighting. We just need to beat the teams around us. Actually, try and try and make that gap a bit larger. I just want to ask you about. There's been a, we always hear debates about 3G pitches and things like that. Now you've played at Oxford City, so do you think do you, do you, do you mind the 3G pitches or do you, do you hate them? I mean, it's been to Oxford's advantage at times this season. It, they've slipped up a little bit. I mean, the result of the day probably yesterday was Gloucester going winning at Oxford City. But how do you feel on playing on pitches like that? I don't mind it too much. It can be a little bit more difficult for the goalkeeper. Obviously, the bounce, the bounce isn't always true. With a, with a little black bit from it, it can pop up. A bit when you expect on the grass it will sort of just come through nicely so that can be a bit difficult but also you've got players that can't really well they say they can't play on the 3G because their bodies stuff like that. we've got Alex Wolf um, and he, he can't really manage the 3G um, he's had problems in the past with his knees you do lose a few players when it, when it comes to playing them um, but, but overall I don't, mind, I don't mind it too much it doesn't really affect me to be fair we haven't won on 3G yet this year so uh, <laughs> maybe it's not the best Sam that's absolutely brilliant thanks for joining us and thanks to to Scotty Davis, friend of the podcast, for setting this one up for us. Thanks for joining us, Sam, and best of luck for the rest of the season to yourself and to Concord. Okay, cheers, mate. That was Sam Besant, Concord Rangers goalkeeper, and we touched briefly on it, Rob. But the Bath City Torquay result was a was a real standout. That was a massive result for Bath. They move up to third, and as we said, just under three and a half thousand there, uh, the biggest crowd at Twerton Park in forty years. Yeah, it was, and a, and a real a real ding dong or two as well because. Bath took the lead in that match and uh, do you know what with, with 25 minutes to go Torquay had turned it round and, 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 and they were leading 2-1 and I don't think too many people would have taken a huge note if Torquay had 1-2-2 or even if Bath had got back uh, to uh, sorry 1-2-1 or Bath had got back to 2-2 but actually they turned it around with two goals in the last uh, 10 minutes uh, former order shot left back Anthony Stray got the equaliser and then Brunt with the winner, a fantastic match to really uh, cap what must have been a great occasion between the two sides and three and a half thousand there. And I, I think Bath's probably been pinning up the headlines and and, and playing back the uh, predictions. Everybody going, oh yeah, two horse races in the National League South. Well, uh, they might have something to say about that, mightn't they? Yeah, I think Tom would have enjoyed it as well yesterday. Ryan Brunt, ex-Plymouth Argyle. Uh, Torquay fans wouldn't have enjoyed it quite as much as he uh, netted the winner there. But you say about Bath, they're only four point, within four points of Torquay. The only thing for them is played a game more than Torquay and three games more than Woking. And uh, that could just be their downfall that they've played too many games almost. Yeah, I mean, there's still uh, enough games left. You know, anybody that puts a good run together like Bath are doing at the minute, you can't rule them out. Um, I did keep a little bit of an eye on things at the other end yesterday as well, um, Luke. And, and the story of the day really down the bottom end was a couple of draws that teams got that were sitting four or five points ahead of sides in the relegation, against sides in the relegation. And sometimes that's when a point feels like three. Uh, Truro City, three-all draw, cracking match against Western Supermare. Just kept the distance for them. And, and Dulwich Hamlet, who I mentioned a few moments ago, they got themselves uh, a draw two against one of the bottom three sides. It just keeps that little bit of a gap for them. I think about five points from the uh, 
from the relegation and uh, who knows how crucial those four or five points could be as we drift towards the end of the season. Hi, I'm Harry Wheeler and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. We talked about Billy Ricky earlier, Rob, and yet another managerial change this week. Dean Brennan was relieved of his duties and, well, he's back. We heard from him then. He was saying hello. It's Harry Wheeler. He's back again. Yeah, and do you know what? It's, it's such a merry-go-round, isn't it? But... And, and I know they're going to come in for stick again, but you can kind of see how, for Billericke, Champlin is obviously still there pulling the strings. Um, he wanted Wheeler before. Now he had a chance to get his man. And for Harry Wheeler, well, you know, when he was being messed around by Billericke and a club like Maidstone come in for you, you completely understand that he wanted to give that a go. He gave it everything he had. It didn't work out. Uh, unfortunately, Maidstone uh, cheating around the relegation places and, and, and they decided look enough's enough um, we're going to go down another route but at that point with his tail a little bit between his legs and uh, out of work um, you can see why Harry Wheeler was receptive to another approach approach from uh, Glenn Tamplin and uh, he's back there and Jamie O'Hara back at the club as well as his assistant. Yeah, you'll also yeah. use the word circus, don't you, Rob? But it does feel a bit of a circus, even though, you, like you say, you can kind of see the understanding and Harry Wheeler says he's got unfinished business as well and whatever's happened in the past is in the past, but it, it doesn't look good on the club, does it? It doesn't look good on the club, and, and, and to be frank about it the club hasn't particularly shown the National League in, 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 the, uh, in the best light at this point not to say they can't learn from their own mistakes and they can't start to get things right going forward um, we were as shocked as we could be by anything that happens at Billericay this week when Wheeler came back uh, we put the question out didn't we to the fans we had a response didn't we uh, Luke from one of the Billericay fans yeah we just wanted to get some reaction from Billericay fans and see what they thought and, and Kevin Mesnard got in touch with us on Twitter and he said as a Billericay fan I'm looking forward to this partnership in action uh, Jamie comes a great experience and Harry is a great manager I don't think he was given enough time at Maidstone uh, Dean Brennan signed a few good new players and I'm sure Harriet and Jamie will get the best out of them Harry Wheeler who knows the club Jamie O'Hara who knows the club and he's setting out on his coaching journey as well so it'll be interesting to see how that goes and, and <laughs> I hate to say it, but how long it'll last <laughs> if results don't go their way you know that fan seems quite happy about it but what happens if they lose three on the bounce some might say oh well you cover these leagues because that's the leagues that you watch involved and yeah of course that is but I absolutely love them and what I cannot remember a week ever where we went well there's not much to talk about this week across those three leagues normally guys I'm sure, sure you'd agree Chris uh, at least two of the leagues produce cracking you know games and things to talk about every week if not all three oh yeah absolutely we've <laughs> we're never lost for words Rob are we <laughs> like you said <laughs> <laughs> excellent well that is it for this week I'll be, I'll be at Altering versus Blythe Spartans on Tuesday, hoping to get reaction from Blythe Spartans manager Alan Armstrong about their season so far. But uh, Rob, thanks for joining us. Pleasure as always. And Chris, thanks for joining us again, and uh, we'll speak to you both very soon. Cheers, Luke. All right, so so if you want to tweet us, it's at NLFullTime, or you can email us, nlfulltime at gmail.com. Until then, we shall see you all next week.